0: You on eight. You on eight. Okay, you're clear. Stand by for your base.
1: Welcome to UMS Cast, where we provide high-level education for you the providers on the streets. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about cardiac arrest. Since the most recent 2020 ACLS update, there has been some new research on what might be effective or not effective in our treatment of cardiac arrest. One of these such studies looked at using steroids in cardiac arrest. So when I came across this paper, I reached out to our emergency department pharmacist, Lance Ray, to come chat with us more about this topic. Lance has been on the show a couple of times. He is a clinical pharmacy specialist and the director of Denver Health's Residency in Emergency Pharmacy.
0: Lance, welcome back. Thank you, great to be here. Good to see you guys.
1: Lance, we're gonna get into the meat of this paper. And at the end, we're going to talk about a nice editorial critique of this paper. But first, I'd like to start off by talking about, prior to this, what did we actually know works in cardiac arrest? And what has been proven and reproduced in the literature that we had prior to this 2020 ACLS update?
0: Yeah, so not a lot of things changed in the 2020 ACLS update, but we're here to talk about steroids, right? So there's mixed literature on the guidance of administering steroids uh, during cardiac arrest. Perhaps some organizations, hospital, uh, pre-hospital groups, administer steroids. I don't know of any, um, so I'd be interested to to hear if you all know of any. But But most probably don't. There was a push to give steroids uh, and in-hospital in, in hospital cardiac arrest uh, up on the ICU and the floor. But uh, since the 2020 ACLS guidelines uh, were published, uh, there was a major study in uh, JAMA uh, about a year ago, and it was the VAM IHCA trial. We'll briefly run through the background uh, and compare those to the guidelines and, and talk about uh, this newest steroids and cardiac arrest paper.
1: We were talking about this a little bit before, and you, you came up with a fun fact that was interesting to me. As far as cardiac arrest trials go, actually, the majority of them are performed in the out-of-hospital setting, which is rare for what we do in the pre-hospital setting. Normally, the vast majority of what we do is because of, of literature that was performed in the hospital.
0: Right. Yeah. So, you know, there's about 100 randomized controlled trials uh, that exist out there, uh, cardiac arrest literature, and and like 96% of those are are done um, out of hospital, they're out of hospital studies. And that is interesting considering you know the, the ethics and the, the sort of consent or assent that you, you have to gain a lot of times from the community and community um, ethics boards for them. But yeah, only about 4% were inpatient. And and like three of the trials we're gonna talk about, including this latest one, they were all inpatient cardiac arrest trials. So yeah, we extrapolate a lot of our out of hospital cardiac arrest to our in-hospital uh, populations. So you started to talk about
1: this trial and, and we went over kind of what we know works and, and, and now we're going to talk about some steroids, but where did steroids come from? Where did the, where do they play into this? Why, why do we study this?
0: I guess somebody had an idea, uh, you know, the first study was about, about 10 years ago, uh, for corticosteroids in, in cardiac arrest. Maybe there were some before that I'm not aware of. So yeah. So corticosteroids, the thought is uh, we know corticosteroids work by sort of enhancing the uh, expression of different adrenergic receptors, like our alpha receptors and our beta receptors in our vasculature, and and they can really potentiate the effects of our vasopressors, kind of adjunct to our vasopressors. Uh, so we use you know corticosteroids a lot in late stage sepsis, sort of as a sort of as an adjunct to again enhance our our vasopressors. You know we know like cortisol really works closely with with the adrenal glands and helps. Are stimulate our body to do some of the higher level resuscitative you know functions, blood pressure, uh, uh, adrenergic functions, for lack of a better term. They're primarily utilized in the hospital setting as an adjunct pressors in septic patients. Like I mentioned, kind of can think of them as an indirect vasopressors. That's sort of how they've been used, you know, in the hospital. And they were they're. Studied, uh, you know, a few times ten years ago, and then again recently, in, in actual in cardiac rest. and and you think, well, is the timing there actually going to work that that quick? And we could talk about that a little bit more later. Lance, what else do we use steroids for? Yeah, so in the emergency setting, we use we use steroids for a variety of different things, right? So we use it for severe asthma, both in pediatrics and adults. Of course, we use it for allergic reactions, and every once in a while, we'll see a patient with adrenal insufficiency. You know, so who's at risk for adrenal insufficiency? These are maybe older. Patients and or younger patients that may have had a, a longer dose of steroids, and you know how you always get when you're prescribed steroids. A lot of times they're tapered, like a medrol dose pack, or you know a few doses in a decreasing fashion of of prednisone, and that's done for a reason. So that once we remove the steroids, your adrenal glands aren't aren't just suppressed, right? They have kind of time to to wake up again. Uh, these patients are off, often hypoglycemic, hypotensive, uh, and and like I mentioned, older patients are particularly susceptible to this. So those are sort of the main times we utilize steroids in the ED. You
1: mentioned other trials that have looked at steroids in cardiac arrest before.
0: Yeah. So now there's a total of three randomized controlled trials studying the effects of steroids in cardiac arrest. Those two older trials that I mentioned, um, one was in 2009, one, one was in 2013. So we'll start with these. These were both in-hospital cardiac arrest populations. Um, They were both done in Greek centers, um, both by the same lead author, Mentezalopoulos. Not Mendez, but Mentesilopoulos. So both of these studies were similar enough that I'll I'll kind of give the general methods of both. They they were very similar in their methodology. So they had a combined number. Both of these studies had a combined number of about 370 patients. So they weren't really large studies. So, So here's how they were designed. One arm. Epinephrine, one milligram was given every three to five minutes. It's like your normal ACLS epi. The other arm, the kind of intervention arm was epi, same thing, one milligram every three to five minutes. Then they'd also add vasopressin. Remember, we used to use vasopressin in our ACLS algorithm. It was deemed kind of not efficacious, didn't change things. They used vasopressin 20 units every round of epi up to five doses. So vasopressin is a very potent uh, vasoconstrictor.
1: Was there a thought that you said, you know, we used to use vasopressin and then it was shown not to be efficacious. Was there a thought that, well, maybe if we combine it with steroids, it'll actually help the vasopressin work?
0: Yeah. And and I think the time that these studies were done, vasopressin was like sort of in the European and the American guidelines. So that's that's probably part, part of that background too. But around 2010, you, I think you could use vasopressin once every you know 10 minutes or so. So they were using it pretty aggressive. So they were kind of doing their standard ACLS. And then they added methylprednisolone, solumedrol, 40 milligrams in that same intervention arm. So you're seeing the problem here with this study is it's like they added more than one intervention. They added two different interventions, vasopressin and methylprednisolone into this intervention arm. Then a third, a third intervention was added. It was hydrocortisone as an infusion, 300 milligrams for seven days, like during that during patient's ICU stay. So this is a huge you know, intervention. It just all gets a little bit muddy. So back to the epi only arm. A placebo infusion instead of, you know, the hydrocortisone for seven days was given. And this was a huge, you know, difference in the treatment arm versus the uh, the control arm. But outcomes were really impressive, right? So both of these trials showed kind of had the same outcome, and they showed survival improvement. survival in the kind of control arm, just the epinephrine-only arm. And then when they added all this other stuff on, they had a survival of 30%. This was significant finding. Then they looked at neurologically favorable survival. And this was a thing that started to be done in these these cardiac arrest trials, which is a really good outcome. You know, who cares if you're alive? Are you neurologically intact, right? They found a significant difference in the neurologically favorable survival as well. Like I mentioned, what bothers us me about this this trial is that there were several interventions in the, in the intervention arm. So it's hard to kind of tease out, well, which one, you know, produced that effect of, of survival. You know, was it the vasopressin? Was it the solumedrol? Or is it the seven days of, of hydrocortisone infusion? Lastly, both studies were at the same center, um, the same lead author. There's some homogeneity there. However, with such impressive outcomes, this needed to re- be reproduced. And uh, finally, we saw that study published in uh 2021.
1: What happened in 2021?
0: Oh, I thought you'd never ask. Right before 2021, well, let's jump jump right back to the, the ACLS and the European Resuscitation Council, the ERC guidelines, kind of the equivalent to ACLS over in Europe. As far as steroids go, ACLS in 2020, they carried over their 2015 position uh, that giving steroids during cardiac arrest, uh, there was not enough data to determine benefit or no benefit, they just kind of left it up in the air. They acknowledged these two Greek studies as well as some observational data with mixed outcomes. And 2020, ACLS acknowledged this one upcoming study and we'll talk about, about attempting to validate these 2009 and 2013 trials. So there are guidelines besides ACLS, as I mentioned, the European Resuscitation Guideline. Uh, In their most recent guidelines in 2021, they provide a one-liner on page 26, and they say, do not give steroids routinely after cardiac arrest. I think this is interesting because that same author from the 2009 and 2013 Greek studies He was an author on these guidelines. So I think this is interesting because this is the same author that was the the lead author on the 2009 and 2013 Greek trials. And so I'm thinking he was sort of hip to the results of the new upcoming uh, VAM IHCA trial, but who knows?
1: Maybe a little scientific insider trading. All right. So you're foreshadowing for us what happened in this trial in 2021. So let's get to it. What did this most recent trial on steroids and cardiac arrest show?
0: All right. So we'll get to the point. So now comes this VAM IHCA trial. That's probably stands for in-hospital cardiac arrest trial. So this was a randomized controlled trial comprised of 10 different European hospitals. Actually, they were all in Denmark. Of course, this was an in-hospital cardiac arrest study. Overall, same design, methylprednisolone, 40 milligrams times one, along with your epi every three to five minutes, and vasopressin, 20 units, every cycle of, uh, with, with epi, up to five doses. So this was compared to the standard practices of epi, one milligram every three to five minutes. But importantly, uh, the whole continuous steroids for seven days was, was not done. So there were about 500 patients, 250 in each arm. Baseline characteristics were fairly well-balanced. There's some criticism there, but we can get into that later. But overall, good methodology. Primary outcome, they looked at ROSC, right? Just like we're, we're, we're concerned about in the ED. We don't sometimes think beyond. We're, we're, we want them to get ROSC, yay. Hooray. So, that ROSC was achieved in 42% of the vasopressin and methylprednisolone arm and only 33% in the epi only arm. So, something's going on here, right? So, there's, there's something better about this vasopressin plus steroids. Again, there's like what bothers me is there's two different interventions still. And they looked at 30 day survival, 90 day survival, and also neurologically favorable outcome. And they were all the same in both arms. So, we got ROSC, but we didn't really see a 30 day or 90 day survival or neurologically favorable outcomes, which is which is what we're really concerned about these days.
1: So similar to our concerns with Epi, steroids and vasopressin seem to increase ROSC, but not long-term survival or neurological outcomes.
0: Exactly. And the only significant subgroup, you know, that was looked at and favored by vasopressin and steroids was when they were given earlier, but we uh, we know that from our other studies that the earlier we give drugs, the earlier we give say amiodarone, the earlier we give epi, um, the better outcomes.
1: Right. So maybe it wasn't the steroids. It's probably just because they got cardiac arrest care earlier. Yeah, right? and that's more favorable.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So there, like I mentioned, there were questions about these groups being balanced in when they randomized patients. More patients in that intervention group with the vasopressin and steroids. Uh, also happened to receive continuous steroids after the fact, right? This was chosen by the provider up in the ICU, um, but more patients did end up uh, receiving those. Uh, Again, our long-term outcomes didn't differ a whole lot. There were also more in the intervention group that got ECMO. As an adjunct too, so this could have swayed the results a little bit. Again, you know, the the really only significant outcome we saw was Rosk. So I don't know how much these these mattered, um, but this was certainly a, a a point of of criticism or critique.
1: So how does this paper feed into or work with the other, other literature we had on the topic?
0: This trial really, I think, was a maybe final. Nail in the coffin for studying steroids in cardiac arrest. Unfortunately, you know these two studies, uh, 2009 and 13, uh, showed some promise for steroids. A lot of confounding um, and a long steroid course in the control arm. After that, so I, I really think this kind of puts the nail in the coffin, and we'll, we'll probably stop studying. There probably won't be a whole lot of interest in, in studying steroids in cardiac arrest in the near future. So you
1: think that this trial, just given that it was it was bigger, better designed it answers the question well enough to say, yeah, we had these two smaller trials, but now we have a big trial that kind of more definitively answers the question.
0: Yeah, I think that's the case. That's my take on it at least.
1: And bringing it back to the streets, what actually matters on our next cardiac arrest patient? Where should we focus our energy and what might not be as important, uh, specifically with respect to long-term or neurological outcomes?
0: Yeah, so as, as we all know, chest compressions, get on the chest, defibrillation, if it's a shockable rhythm, you know, I, I think most know, and, and, and you might be surprised if not that epi doesn't have a whole lot of data behind its benefit. You know, I always try to ask the medic when they bring him in to the resuscitation bay, hey, when was your last epi? And that's just for me to kind of know where we're at. You know, it's not a, oh, you know, oh my God, you didn't give epi. That's fine. I, I'm much happier when there's focus on chest compressions, defibrillation, the things that have been proven and longstanding that work. There's just recent data a few uh, years ago with the paramedic two trial that showed that epi might have a, a, a benefit, but it's funny because we've been studying it for well over 50 years and, and don't have a lot of concrete data on it. And the same goes for amylo and lidocaine. I mean, we know that those drugs do work. They do something. Uh, maybe we haven't had Trials big enough to really uh, detect the difference that exists, um, but we know they do something. We have a surrogate endpoint of ROSC in a lot of these trials, and so we know that they make ROSC happen. But in large, you know, uh, uh, you know, just beat the dead horse: chest compressions and defibrillation, and um, uh, vasopressin. Uh, we've seen is probably even less efficacious than than epi, and, and the same goes for steroids. It's just not been consistently shown to improve long term outcomes.
1: I mentioned in the beginning an editorial on this. Paper, which which you had actually brought to my attention, tell us about this editorial. What did they say in this?
0: Yeah, so there's an editorial a commentary article in the same issue of JAMA with the VAM IHCA trial. Uh, it was written by a couple of our, our, our colleagues at, D- at Denver Health, and and it's worth a read. They um, in large they commend the authors and the methodology. Uh, they point out a few differences in the base uh, the baseline characteristics, like I mentioned, that some of the folks in the treatment arm maybe got a little bit. Better care, um, just happenstance. Uh, it was randomized. It was controlled. Um, so it's 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 not a scathing critique by any, any means. Um, but I encourage you to uh, uh, read it and the trial. Um, it's interesting and it, it can give you kind of a uh, good practice in, in in reading, you know, methodology. It's really a really well well designed trial.
1: So after reading this paper, what are your major takeaways? Looking further into this topic.
0: Yeah, so steroids and cardiac arrest, finally, we've now been able to sort of reproduce these studies. Steroids and cardiac arrest just aren't supported by our randomized controlled trials in large.